0: Merry Christmas, friends. It is so good to be together tonight. For those who don't know, I am one of the pastors here. My name is Jared Melliner, I'm the senior pastor. And what a joy it is to be together tonight to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, One of the things that I often like to say is that we are not a museum of perfected saints as a church, Uh, we are in fact a hospital for the broken and for the sin sick and for the needy and there are, at times, Christians get that point wrong. Christians can at times be self-righteous and it's important that we remember and think clearly about the fact that the message of Christianity is not here is why we are morally superior to others. In fact, it's, in a sense, the exact opposite of that. The message we proclaim is that we are great sinners, every one of us, and that there is forgiveness and cleansing and hope and joy that is available to us in Christ alone. We, we bring a message of incredibly good news tonight. It is a message, as Corey shared, a life-changing message that has changed the lives of many even in this room and I pray it continues to happen here tonight. It's just, it's important for you to know, our goal is not a slick service, our goal is not to impress you. All I care about is what you make of Jesus Christ. My one goal and desire tonight is for Christ to be honored in every heart and for King Jesus to be given his rightful place at the center of every life in this room. There are a few verses in Hebrews chapter two that speak to the reason for the incarnation, that speak to the reason Christ came into the world. I don't know what sort of things you tend to pay close attention to. It might be sports, especially in this moment right now, Uh, It might be uh, any number of things, politics, current events, work, fashion trends, the stock market, social media. Well, in Hebrews 2, verse 1, there is something God commands each one of us to give greater attention to. It says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest We drift away from it. Here is a message. Here is something that demands closer attention, says the Lord. It's the message we have heard. And then the following verses go on to explain that what we must pay closer attention to is the message about Jesus. Hebrews 2, verses two through four, explain that this message is a historically reliable message declared by God, confirmed by many eyewitnesses, attested to by signs and wonders. God has made the message perfectly plain. You can arrive at a knowledge of this message through studying the history, through putting up the Christian faith against reason, study the scriptures, study the life of Christ, study the message. God has made this message perfectly plain. The Christian gospel is not a vague spiritual idea. It is a message based on historical facts now why is it that god insists that you and i pay close attention to this message the answer is in verse 3 of hebrews 2 how shall we escape it says if we neglect such a great salvation i see two reasons there that we need to pay closer attention to this glorious message one is that it is a great salvation Here is a message that brings unspeakable, eternal blessings to those who embrace it. And second reason, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Those who ignore this message are in danger. There is something, there is a predicament, there is a situation from which we need to escape. How shall we escape the judgment of a holy God that we all deserve for our many sins, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Verses five through seven of Hebrews two then begin to explain this glorious message of salvation that God originally created the human race and gave us glory and honor. He put us in control of the good world that he made. Like a parent who says to a child, Take care of the house while I'm out this evening. He has given us an authority to rule over his created world. Now consider Hebrews 2 verses 8 and 9 are the two verses that I want to consider most closely here tonight. It says this, now in putting everything in subjection to him, that is God put everything in subjection to humankind, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. So God's plan in creating the world is that humanity would rule over all things with perfect wisdom and justice, that all things would be under our control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Meaning that the world is not marked by peace, The world is not marked by justice, but is badly broken. We do not see everything in subjection, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, the God who took on flesh, the one who was born as a baby, namely Jesus. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This is the the, the message of Christianity. This is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. This is the whole reason that Christ came into the world. What's communicated there in verse 8 is a point that Christians and non-Christians can all agree on we don't see everything in subjection. The world is badly broken. This world is not the way it's supposed to be. Something has gone terribly wrong. And that is the reason work is frustrating, it's the reason our health fails us, it's the reason nations are at war, relationships are difficult, and on and on. And then on top of it all, the the cold weather is biting our face when we step outside on a night like this. I've thought about it like this. We can't even rule over our own passions and desires. We we are certainly not ruling over all things the way that God intended, that is obvious. And it's also obvious that there is nothing humanity can do to solve this problem and to heal our world. I can't deal with this problem on my own, we, cannot deal with the great problems of suffering and sin and death. Here's one of the beautiful things about about Christianity. Christianity is honest about the many sorrows and struggles that fill our lives. We follow a savior who is himself acquainted with suffering and sorrow. And yet, though Christianity is realistic... It is not pessimistic. And there's a reason for this. If we look only at the condition of the world tonight, we would rightly arrive at a place that is quite pessimistic and hopeless. That's if we look at the condition of the world alone. But the passage goes on to say, we see him. So the world is broken. We see it. We know it. Evil plagues this fallen world. We see it. But at the same time, we see him him we see Jesus we see the one who took on flesh we see this baby who was born to deal with our greatest problems and to restore humanity to God's intentions we see Jesus who does what humanity failed to do and cannot do in the incarnation what was happening there the son of God was made a little lower than the angels verse 9 2,000 years ago, the Son of God entered the world as a baby and he did so in order to die on the cross. He died in our place. He died for our sins and he is now crowned with glory and honor because of what he accomplished in the salvation of sinners. In his death, he has rescued us from death and is restoring Humanity to its glory and is giving us an eternal hope. Christmas is a message of hope. If you find yourself in a hopeless place, come and open your heart to this message. Come and open your heart to this glorious salvation that is freely offered to sinners when we turn from relying on our own good works when we turn from relying on our own moral performance and when we trust and rely on Christ alone for our salvation. This is the gospel. This is that message that God says, pay close attention here. Don't drift from it. Even those who come to embrace it, we drift from it. We're distracted by other things. We neglect this great salvation that has come to us. God is saying tonight, open your eyes to see this great and glory, this majestic salvation. Don't neglect it. Don't drift from it. Pay close attention. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Our, I was thinking about how to communicate this to this, to this group here tonight, Christmas Eve, and... and Came up with the perfect way to do it. Here we go. Our situation is like the situation Kevin McAllister was in in Home Alone. All right, bear with me. Kevin finds himself in charge of the home, but the situation is ultimately more than he can handle. Here's the thing. Sometimes we forget Kevin does not take out the bad guys. He doesn't do that. He does not rescue himself. The burglars eventually outsmart him. They catch him and they hang him by the back of his shirt on the door. And Kevin is is saved. He is rescued and delivered from his enemies by someone else. Now follow this. Help comes not from the law, the policeman. Help comes not from Santa. You remember Santa just gives him a few tic-tacs and then his car doesn't start. Like far from flying a sled, he can't even start his own car. And help comes not from himself. Help comes from a mysterious figure named Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley is maligned. He is misunderstood. He is slandered. The first time Kevin encounters him, you may remember this Old Man Marley puts his hand on a glass counter in a store and we see that he has a bloody wound on his hand, both sides, down on the glass, blood here, and then on the back, blood and wound there, remind you of anything. Then Kevin only comes to understand the truth about Marley, when he enters the church while a choir sings of a Savior's birth. Oh, holy night. The old man asks Kevin if he's been good. Kevin says no, and he confesses his sin. He says, I've been kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. And that confession, of sin is what every honest person will do because we all sin much every day. And that confession in the church is the great turning point. The, man, the man's wounded hand warmly shakes Kevin's hand. We see there a Band-Aid on the back of his hand during that handshake. And then he is changed. He is very next scene, Kevin's back home and he prays for the first time. Throughout the movie, he was uh, praying to Santa, he was asking Santa for things, including the evil wish that his family disappear. But now his hands are folded at the dinner table in true prayer to God with golden angelic candle holders on the table on either side of him, just as there are two golden angels on top of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. I'm telling you, you guys are watching Home Alone all wrong. And I know some of you think, especially, you know, me in the church, you think I make up these things, you know. But how do you explain this Christ figure with a crucifixion wound being the one who literally saved Kevin when Kevin could not help himself? It's Marley who shows up and takes them out with the shovel. Now, regardless, I know some of you are like, I don't like Home Alone. Whatever you think about Home Alone here is the one essential message that we must understand. Our only hope of rescue, the only hope of all humanity, is Jesus Christ. He is our hope. Christianity is not fundamentally a message, and there are, there are pastors who get this wrong. There are, there are many religious people who get this wrong. Christianity is not fundamentally a message of what we must do. It is a message about Jesus. We see him. That's the message. We see him. Look at this baby born in Bethlehem. Look at this one made a little lower than the angels. Look at his sinless life. Never was there a man like this. Look at his nail-pierced hands. Look at what he endured in his great love for sinners. Look at him in all his glory. Friends, his death was not an accident. Jesus was born to die for you. This is that great salvation. Verse nine says he died so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. By the grace of God. What does grace mean? Grace means you don't deserve it. Grace means you cannot earn it. Salvation is freely given in Christ alone. He was crucified They rolled a stone over his grave, but on the third day he rose from the dead and that was the beginning of the Christian church that has spread throughout the world with this message of the gospel that has saved thousands upon thousands. Friends, this is the glorious message of Christianity and here's the thing to understand. We're not just here giving a nice talk. This message lays claim to every one of us. This message demands A response. Each one of us were created by God. He owns us. And we were created by him for a glorious purpose. And for a glorious future. We have been crowned with with glory and honor. But we will only reach our God-given destiny. And be the people that God made us to be. If we are connected to Jesus. If we have placed our faith and reliance upon Jesus the message of Christianity is not try to be a better person it is not pray a bit more go to church a bit more no it comes to us and it says the world is sadly broken it says that that sinful rebellion and man-made religion have only made things worse And it says that our only hope is that God himself in Jesus Christ has entered the world to set things right. This is the message of the gospel. What we need is not a few more religious practices. What we need is not just some tweaking in our lives. We need a savior. We need one who can rescue us from our rebellion and from our sinful moral superiority. Christians need a savior too. I need a savior. We all need a savior. Friends, this is the most important question that you will ever face in life from now until your dying breath. Here's the great message and here is the great question. Who is Jesus? What do you make of him? this one who was born, this centerpiece of human history, this one who is worshiped by so many, this one who claimed to be God, this one who lived without sin, this one whose death and resurrection was attested to by many eyewitnesses. What do you make of this Christ? God's answer is that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And I pray that each one of us embrace him as Savior and Lord and experience the life-transforming effects of having Christ as our treasure, of having Christ at the center of your life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. He loves you. He so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. We see him. We see Jesus. Friends, do you see him? Do you see Jesus crowned with glory and honor tonight? Do you believe he was born to die for your sin? He is the only hope of all the world. Come and receive his grace. Come and receive the gift of eternal life. Come and experience the joys of this great salvation. God has done it. God has given us this great salvation. It is a glorious message. It is a life-transforming message. It is a message that gives us hope and joy, comfort and peace, now and for all eternity. Friends, what do you make of this Jesus? We see him. We worship him. We adore him. Let it be true in each one of our hearts that we treasure Christ, that we live for his glory, that we believe in him alone for salvation, that we hail him as our prophet, priest, and king, now and forever. Amen. Merry Christmas.